Magical Grimoireum. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Avery. Hello. And I am Debesh. And we are here today to talk about some strange stuff as we do. Indeed. We're a little Halloween. We're a little (laughs) sad that Halloween (laughs) is done. Oh, that's cold. Sound and sad and Halloween put together, I think is what happened there. Indeed. (laughs) Um, But we are so overjoyed. We saw that um, in Sweden, we're on the charts for drama podcasts and fiction podcasts. Incredible. We want to extend a very large cosmic hug to our friends across the pond and Everywhere else who has also listened, it's just incredible that people are actually giving enough of a shit. It's pretty cool. Thank you so much. And um, also, I don't know if we planned this or if it's just serendipity, but we have Ulrika Arfidsson from Sweden. She's a fortune teller, I think, was it, uh, right, 1800s. No, no, 1700s. Yeah, she passed in 1801, I believe. Yeah, so famous Swedish storyteller, uh, fortune teller that we have in our story. So that's really cool. And um, besides that, uh, we wrapped up our like Halloween uh, thing to try and get some more um, um, ratings and reviews. So thank you so much for that. And if you do want to add to the ratings and reviews, just so more people can find us. So if you would like to go to ratethispodcast.com slash ungodly. That is a super easy way on any device that you're on to see how you can um, rate the podcast. And it just like brings you step by step. So if you're not familiar with that, very easy method to do that. So that's ratethispodcast.com slash ungodly. Or if you're listening from your computer, um, there's podchasers.com and you can leave a review there just by searching our podcast, which is Ungodly, the Magical Grimoireum. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have any other points you want to get out there? Um, well, I mean, we tend to do this at the end of the episode, but we might as well get the socials out of the way, too. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us at un underscore godly podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram or Facebook, both uh, on dot godly podcast mm-hmm. uh and we do have a soundcloud it only goes up to episode five so just find us on the other places it's better yeah uh, and we're we also have, on youtube as well sorry yeah and we have uh this new group called the safe and it's actually so it's on facebook and it's actually uh, a private group so nobody except for who's in the group can see you're in the group um and it's just a place for dis- discussion about magical topics um so it's fun to either peep or contribute to so we're gonna try and try and get that a bit more active but it's also a way for us to see what you guys are interested in um so that's really helpful um yeah please consider checking that out yeah yeah it's a great way to give us direct feedback and also be able to converse with our strange and brilliant brains (laughs) (laughs) all right well shall we begin yeah, so we're going to talk about Ulrika um, to begin with. I'm just pulling up my notes. Of course. 
Okay, so Anna Ulrika Arfidsen, hard name to say, was born in 1734, died 1801. And this was during the time of Gustav III, who was an opponent of what he considered to be abuse of political privileges by the nobility. Um, so he was he was a really interesting guy that kind of fought hard for, I guess, more equality. Would you say that? Yeah, sort of. He he saw that there was uh, like a, a drastic imbalance in the the sort of the way the aristocracy was going about things, and that the the common people were essentially just being shat on. And he was like, "Well, there's nothing noble about this. How do you consider yourself nobility?" Mm, okay. Um, yeah, and so she grew up in this like environment that because she was the daughter of a caretaker of the royal palace, she grew up in this like very comfortable environment and she was attuned to like gossip and rumors of nobility and higher society. And um, so she, I guess she kind of developed like an emotional intelligence of people during that time. Mm. And um, actually the Gustavian age was a brilliant time um, for people that were psychic, <laughs> um, kind of akin to like Victorian era in England. Yeah, because uh, occultism occultism was like a crime before that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a pretty pretty tight hold by the church. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she actually was like. A listed as a professional fortune teller and um, she had like a very devout group of followers from all walks of society and her main method of of telling fortune was with coffee grounds which I think is fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) and um, it's funny because so all these other people who were kind of looking at her, I guess, business model, saw that she was using these coffee grounds. So they started to use coffee grounds as well. And then I think um, in the Swedish language, they were called uh, coffee goddesses. Um, I've heard something like that. I can't quite recall off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, it's something, sorry, I don't have it written down, but it was something very similar to that coffee goddesses. Um, And actually the, the, time that her career started to uh wind down is directly linked to when there was a coffee shortage oh Oh, (laughs) where she was she didn't like tea leaves (laughs) i guess not (laughs) but i just thought that was a funny little fact um but yeah no everyone like um political people every everyone from all walks of life um said that she was never wrong I, I found that really hard to believe, but I guess they were just feeling that she was pretty dang good. And yeah, so, she's getting a five out of five on ancient Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because people love to like point out if people were charlatans, yeah. etc. So if she got such a good report card, that's pretty amazing. I don't know. Maybe she was just a very nice and em- empathetic lady who had some really great intuition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's... Pardon me. A lot of power to... Hmm, how do I put it? To being able to comfort somebody through what they're about to experience. 
even if it's not directly being like laid out in front of them, just having gone to see her, I think if that's the reputation that she had, that alone would bring quite a bit of comfort. You know, they would feel like they've got the upper hand on their future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the name was coffee goddesses. I just found it. And, uh, she herself was called the coffee Cirrus. And Ooh. in Swedish, I'll try this. It's Cafe Pitsen. We'll, we'll uh, <laughs> look forward to getting some reviews <laughs> and hearing how to do that properly, if that wasn't. But I trust that you did your best. All right. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That was uh, that summary was brought to you very quickly. <laughs> we had to edit the story and everything and try and get it out today. So um, with that, Vesh will go into the story. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for that lovely introduction, babe. <laughs> if you are to have refuge here, then you must indulge me the truth of how you came to intimate knowledge of the void. Her voice creaked in harmony with her old Soviet cabin in the Baltic wind. Most people say hello when you answer the door, but I should expect nothing less from you, Arika. The Kamari replied, full-chested, trying to overcome the sound of chattering teeth, growling stomach, and that hyperborean wailing which is almost exclusive to the Arctic Circle. Do we have a deal? The potent inquiry from the fortune-teller Ulrika Arifitsen filleted the cold air smoothly. If you are also offering coffee and rum, then yes. The Kamari looked forward to her company as much as her insight, but was loath to discuss his own path herself. Ulrika's arm was barely necessary to pull him, as the wind was fully intent on doing so itself with a violent slam of the door. She sat her guest on a large oak chair with a stuffed goat-hide cushion at the end of a thick slate table. He was pleased to be embraced by the heat of the nearby hearth, and bowed his head gratefully when she brought him a steaming mug to expunge the cold from his insides as well. Settling into her own granite and notably uncushioned chair, she gently goaded the Kamari to divulge with a slow smile and steam-like wave of her pianist's fingers, and at last, after a deep sip and a deep breath, he began to explain how he first encountered the void. Ooh. <laughs> we just that was my natural reaction and Besh just <laughs> did a click so I thought he had paused so I was like oh I'm so frustrated so he's like it's okay okay I'll stop and then we'll start again and you start with your ooh <laughs> it's really hard to fake something like that <laughs> but I was going to say ooh the void <laughs> I'm excited to hear about that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Did you look into the history of how different cultures see the void? Because it is actually a thing. Um, Well, I've got some familiarity with some stories beyond it. Like, um, I'm kind of familiar with Buddhist texts and and, uh, certain other things just because I've done a bit of studies in um, comparative religions. Um, But uh, there's... I wouldn't say that I'm fully acquainted with 
the void in all of its manifest forms, but like the Taoist Buddhist sort of notion of the void, which um, is, uh, which is essentially like the, the nothingness that is the, the absence of self, the absence of, uh, existence because of the notion that existence itself is a self-contained phenomenon within nothingness. Mm, okay. Yeah, I actually use the term in the novel I'm working on. Dun, dun, dun. Um, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. <laughs> yeah, um, but I would say, I don't want to give anything away, but I, I would say it's, Nope, don't want to give anything away. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. The mystery remains. Um, (laughs) But I did notice that you said that Ulrika was sitting on a notably uncushioned chair. So I'm wondering why you put that detail in. Uh, Well, there's a couple of reasons. There's... um, So the notion of cities, S-I-D-D-H-I, S-I-D-D-H-I, um, that's, it, it means it's, uh, I can't properly put it into English. There's lots of people who have given it an English word, but none of them are really properly equivalent. It's an ability that is gained through hardship. Um, and when, when looking into a lot of Buddhist and, and Taoist and, uh, also like Japanese Zen, uh, literature and practice, there's much to be said for what you can do by expanding your 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 personal bodily limits, uh, adjusting and finding yourself uncomfortable, finding yourself comfortable in, in all of the various uncomforts. Uh, because full knowledge of the void, full knowledge of <coughs> being nothingness, that can be very jarring. And that can really destroy a person's mind. Mm. Uh, it can it can be a dangerous thing. Okay. I also think I I kind of associated it, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, her kind of being uncomfortable was you said that she was kind of a very giving, warm woman. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. from being such such a cold, cold climate just like in Canada but you know we're nice over here too (laughs) but but um yeah so she's kind of taking the hard chair for herself yeah yeah exactly there's there's that aspect of it as well for sure interesting um because I'm trying to be true to her character at least from what I've I've read obviously I haven't had the pleasure of meeting her or having a coffee reading or anything um right but from what I yeah, kind of like Blavatsky, she she has a strong character, but she seems to be very warm, like you said. And also, mm-hmm. not that it matters, but just to create a visual, Blavatsky was quite a strong, stout woman. Yeah, um, yeah, she was, uh, or a burly woman. Not, not. I don't even think she was that short. Um, maybe, maybe a little on the shorter side. Side, but this woman is very like long and lean looking, and whiskey. she was born to grab the Siberian wilderness by the balls. Plavatsky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're both beautiful, but uh, very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blavatsky, she was, uh, I would say, much more hardened in her overall way, mm-hmm. uh, at least from what I've read. And uh, 
you know, other people's reports of encountering her, not to say that she lacked warmth or compassion, just she had a very stern way of presenting. Right. Whereas Ulrico was known for being both humorous, but also inviting. Yeah. Like we, we said, she grew up around a lot of people and Mm -hmm. loved to hear their stories and gossip and stuff. So yeah, she clearly brought out stuff from people. You know what I mean? Like people were very comfortable talking to her, it seems. Yes. Um, okay. So before we continue, let's just, just for clarity, um, the Marie is, uh, kind of a people that you created. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit confusing because Marie is both singular and plural. Yeah. So this, we have a Marie in this story, the one who's just come in to meet Ulrika. Right. And then the language is Kansara. That's right. As well as the culture? Well, yeah, like Kansaran would be the language. Kansara is like the, the overall culture, uh, philosophy, discipline, all okay. that jazz. Great. Sorry if you have to remind me of that again in the future. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good because like it, it needs to, to be clear. Yeah. yeah. And just, just to also um, pique people's interests, um, I'm hoping this is okay for me to say. If not, you will cut it out. Um, <laughs> the joys of editing. <laughs> but, but you did um, have this, the same experiences as this Conmarie that we're about to talk about, the same sort of meditation experiences. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's not a bit of this that's fictionalized, apart from it being with Ulrika Arvidsson. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the kind of idea of... Did the idea of the Comrie come through the meditation or just what they experienced? It's it's very hard to describe that. Um, it was... It's, it's hard to explain like other people have talked about having like massive downloads, which is kind of a weird way to put it, but it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. When, when um, you're kind of having an enlightened moment. Yeah. Or like, uh, like in automatic writing sessions, it's, it's usually hard for the hand to keep up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so it was, it was something maybe akin to, to what those people were experiencing. It was like, not just a world view, but like an instantaneous, complete world and a place and perspective within it. Um, it's like I said, it's, that's very hard to describe, but uh, it kind of makes sense. Imagine just like waking up one day and actually being the Hobbit, right? <laughs> and, and but you like you know the whole lore and everything, like it. Right. And for all we know, that could have happened to um, Tolkien. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Could have. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So with that, uh, we'll continue to the story and the Conmarie's experience of the void. All right. Let's roll. It came to me in several meditations and ongoing revelations, which lasted years. The first was when I was exhausted feeling Dionysian, and blowing on my empty bottles for a song. Then I was gone to another me, in another lifetime. 
At the cliff of a gorge in an ancient forest, I grabbed a vine and swung with ease the two hundred feet or so to the floor of the valley. I saw a magical creature staring at me, gnawing leaves. Like the mythical jackalope, it, it had a rabbit-like body, a bit bigger, but it had a long tail and two forward curved horns. I asked it mentally to teach me about it, and it stopped chewing and blinked, and instantly I knew where I was, who I was, what the creature was, Arishat, the peculiarities of its diet, everything. Although the being laid this all out for me, I also garnered that it was also nothing, like me, and it had knowledge of this nothingness, the void. Several moons later, in a new meditation, I asked, what would my pantheon be in that incarnation? And instantly, all of Konsara came to me. I knew the void was Einicht. I knew Krea was the feminine aspect of all breathing flesh. I knew Dieda was the keeper of inspiration and that Titen was a twisted knot lost in the game we call time. Also came the language, the lore, the calendar, the rituals, all of it. I labored to document it all, but alack and alas, the scourges of time and misfortune have left so little behind. Hence, as you know, I must ensure the ghost of Edmonton carries it forward to assist all the beings who have lost or forgotten the knowledge and the magic. There's the ghost of Edmonton again. Um, yeah, we, we keep alluding to him and how he might save everything. Um, do, you, do you want to say anything else about him in this exact moment? Ooh, spoiler or no spoiler? Spoiler or no spoiler? What I will say is that for anybody that is interested in a spoiler, uh, look up Debesh Suvat and Keys Dan. That's Keys as in keyboard and the name Dan on YouTube. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good interview. I actually uh, filmed you while you were getting interviewed, so I'll put up a little clip of that (laughs) (laughs) on our socials. Um, Yeah, actually on the topic of Edmonton, um, I kind of, I don't know, I had a flashback while you were talking about the Conmarie uh, swinging through the va- to the valley floor on a vine. Um, I once had this very vivid dream that the Edmonton River Valley, which is quite well known, um, that it all of a sudden was rainforest-like. Yes. Yeah, and it was very, very vivid, and I still think about it very often. And so that kind of struck me, because obviously we're talking about the ghost of Edmonton, um, who, who, you know, as far as this story is concerned, is separate from the Connery. But I'm thinking, you know, this is in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that you should say that specifically. Uh, We've surprisingly never discussed this, and I didn't know that you had that dream. Mm. Um, but that's, that's very much what the experience was like in the meditation. So I kind of wonder if what at one 
point in our Earth's history, or even before we were able to record, <laughs> I guess that's when it would be, that, yeah, it was just completely upside down here in Sweden and Canada. We were like living the life in in beautiful, well, hot, tropical forests. Well, yeah, I mean, it, the posthumously named Edmontonosaurus. Oh, yes. You know, in, in those days, that it would have been very much here. like that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so Alberta, the province we're in, um, we have a lot of dinosaurs in this place called Drumheller, which is like a desert, like kind of in the middle of nowhere. The Badlands. Yeah, the Badlands. <laughs> <laughs> like in some in some places, it's actually quite um, what, fruitful or whatever in the vegetation. Yeah. And then, and, and, you know, we have all these beautiful lakes and mountains and trees and mm-hmm. everything. And then, yeah, and then you hit this desert and yeah, they're still finding dinosaur bones all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. There's the Edmontonosaurus, there's the Albertosaurus, there's <laughs> a few that are like specifically uh, eponymous to this location. Right. So yeah, I just thought that was kind of a cool um, sort of coincidence we have there. Also um, random dinosaur nerd out. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It never struck me like as a kid how cool that was, you know, because yeah. you just don't know that not everywhere has such big grounds for <laughs> digging up dinosaurs. I wish I could remember the name of it. But when I was a kid, I had this one computer game that was like really specific and it like went through the entire thing about like the Edmontonosaurus and oh. uh, the Albertosaurus and like you could just pick any dinosaur or whatever and just learn all about it and i was just like why the hell is there this one and i I was like oh it actually is edmonton freaking weird (laughs) yeah no if you ever get a chance to to come up here if you're not from here that um area the desert um there's a city called drumheller Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where where you go um and there's all the museums and everything but there's all these Oh, frick. Hoodoos? Yeah, the hoodoos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my mind had a blank. Um, <clears throat> hoodoos, which are really cool. They're like these carved, naturally carved out by glaciers and stuff. Um, wind mostly, yeah. Wind mostly? Yeah. Oh, I'm so horrible at this stuff. Well, I mean, the, it glaciers previously, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, and you're not wrong. <laughs> so so it's, it's kind of bizarre. It looks like, um, kind of like this flat pancake on a stilt basically, or like an inverted vase, maybe. It's these crazy things jutting out of the ground. It doesn't look real. It looks man-made. Yeah, it's... Huge. They're huge. It's like if nature decided um, that it just really liked what uh, Inuit people were doing and is like, you know, I want some Anukshuks down here too in the desert. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually the word I almost said was Anukshuk because um, my family has ties to the north and uh, yeah. I saw probably more Anukshuks in my childhood than the those hoodoos. guys. Hoodoos. <laughs> I always associated the two together. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like the the poles, you know, like right. the Arctic and the desert just being like the same yeah. formation. In yeah. There. So it's we're actually in a really weird place because, yeah, we're on the way to the pole, the North Pole, where we have the Anukshuks and um, the Inuit people and Yellowknife, which is the biggest city there but it's only 20,000 people still after like 30 years um and then we have this desert not too far to the south yeah in the same province yeah and and a lot of people don't realize that that desert still like extends through and past the mountains into bc into like down toward osoyoos and everything Mm -hmm. that's the same like underlying desert structures Mm -hmm. which is 
desire. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I did want to ask you a bit about Zaitan, the uh, god Zaitan that you mentioned, who's twisted in a knot that's lost in the game we call time. I like that, and I'm interested to know more. Okay. Uh, so in in the pantheon of Kansara, uh, there's obviously quite a, an array of characters, uh, but one of them that is very important is Safalnar. Um, and Safalnar is roughly translatable as like the fool kind of a character. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, like a fool or a jester type yeah, person. Yeah, and, and which we also encounter in tarot if you're interested in like that sort of psychic quality of the fool he represents mm -hmm. like not not really like sometimes somebody who's a little bit naive but it can also mean a card that will show great growth yeah yeah i often think of um like somebody being very lighthearted in a very dark situation mm. Mm, that's think, interesting yeah um that's that's generally what sticks for me but so Safalnar uh, was talking with uh, Tseten, which is supposed to be essentially the the entity of counting. That's what it was originally. That was, you know, the the task. Uh, so Tseten was getting really freaking bored. And he's just like, okay, so like I just count and count and count and count. Like, what else am I supposed to do? Safalnar, what's up? And... Uh, Safanara said, well, why don't you invite Diada over? Maybe maybe Diada will help. Uh, Diada is the entity of inspiration and creative ideas. Um, and so basically what happened is the three of them smoked uh, a ritual smoke together. And then Tateng came up with the game of time. Ah. And invited the next entity to pass by, which was Gumat which is humanity, um, like the, the collective entity of, of all human flesh and soul. Um, yeah, so Teten invited Gumat over to come and play this double-sided board game. Um, oh, I see. Like kind of, yeah, time is not linear and there's different dimensions. So it's yeah. a double-sided board game. Yeah, exactly. And so in one... Uh, it has to go either forward or backward. And then on the other side, you can hop. Um, okay. And then Zaitan comes, Zitan comes in where? Sorry. Zitan is the, um, the, the counter that, that was really bored and asked for, for help from the fool and inspiration to find a way out of this boredom. You know, this, this perpetual Sisyphean task of just counting endlessly for no apparent reason. Okay. And, and so and it made he, this game and it invited humanity over and they got playing for a while and fighting uh, boredom with a board game. Yes, exactly. Uh, but humanity, Gumat, um, they forgot that they were playing a game and they got stuck in the board game, kind of like a Jumanji idea almost. Uh, the, yeah, they, they just stopped realizing that it was a game and, um, and that time was only something that existed within that that double-sided board game uh so they got trapped and so this irked some higher beings um and essentially what happened was to was given a bit of a slap on the wrist 
and said, all right, now between you and Safalnar, between time and the fool, you have to make sure that every piece of Gumat makes it out of that board game eventually. It's That's now your job. Okay, so are we currently stuck in the board game of time? That we're using the word currently says yes. Hmm. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. That I've I very much so resonate with that idea. We're slaves to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That we are. Okay, so yes, we left off talking about those beings, and in particular, just now that being and the nature of time. Um but also you mentioned um, how we've now in current day have lost the knowledge and experience of magic. And I guess um, yeah. knowledge of the void, but the magic that that brings. Um, and so, and the magic you know, that brings us to it too. Yeah. Which we still have in some cultures, but <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I- we have a lot of us entered sort of a rat race sort of situation yes the rat race indeed speaking of the rat race let's continue with the story before I head off to go and be part of the rat race myself (laughs) (laughs) alright there was a thick mournful pause as the flames danced across the black eyes of the Khan Marie reflecting and refracting in a lone tear attempting to sneak away from the corner of his eye. Anyway, before what's left is lost to the ravages of despair, I must pull the ghost of Edmonton off a bridge. You're sure you won't jump with him? I've never seen you cry before. Maybe that coffee should have been straight. Her morbid arctic humor was learned in the cold crystalline structures of her environment. However, the seriousness of the issue at hand, as well as the inherent somberness of the Conmarie's personality, left the joke as a snowflake in the wind. He said, Listen, I am not a nihilist because I don't think anything is real. I am a nihilist because the only reality of everything is nothing being bored. Ulrika interjected, Yeah, yeah, and so why wouldn't nothing, the void, break into all of us creatures? I'm sure it loves to watch us jump. Is that what you think? The Conmarie replied, No, suicide or apocalyptica, eschatology and doomsaying make no sense. There is nothing beyond nothing. There is no way out because there is nothing to get out of. Okay, so we have a, a big concept there. So I just wanted to break in briefly. Um, so he's talking about how he's not a nihilist. Because... Um, Technically, nothing is real, right? Because nothing divided into all of us and all the creatures because it was bored, right? So it's kind of like the Big Bang. It's just this nothingness that exploded into everything. But at the same time, we're still nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So even if somebody, you know, unfortunately were to try and end their life, they're not really doing much good because... They're just um, escaping, trying to escape nothingness. So they don't really escape, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's much better to try and keep keep going forward and trying to learn so that therefore the universe can learn about itself too. 
Well, yeah, there's, there's no sense in not exploring when it becomes very clear that that's the only point about everything is to go explore. Hmm. Now, of course, if, if you have depression, as we've had, it, if somebody just said that to us, go explore or whatever. Oh, I know. Would I, not... know. I, I would have smacked him right in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take care and get help. Yeah. There's, there's lots of ways of exploring, but yeah, one of the first things that you need to explore is how to take care of the being that you are exploring with. Right. Right. Yes. Um, but no, it's an interesting concept that um, nothing got so bored that it had to divide. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. If mm-hmm. you are literally nothingness, absolute total nothingness. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, that's that's peaceful. But yeah. eventually absence of conflict is absence of growth. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe in it and I have kind of my own word for it. Maybe, maybe you'll catch on to it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's interesting though, what we decide to call ourselves. Cause I wouldn't necessarily call myself a nihilist. It's just, it's really interesting because a person who calls himself a nihilist could actually, um, be feeling and thinking about this stuff very much similar to somebody like me who calls myself agnostic. Mm, it's just yeah. how they're looking, each looking at things, um, but just completely different words with different uh, ideologies, apparently. But um, nope, not always. Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, I, I one could make the distinction between saying that uh, as an agnostic, you would, you would argue that this seems like a, a mighty fine hypothesis, perhaps, and it has to just be left as that, whereas... Personally, as as a nihilist, as described in the story, um, it doesn't feel like a hypothesis to me. But obviously, I I can't know that I'm correct about it. So no, but why is nothingness not an entity? It it is to me. So yeah, that that is agnostic. Hmm. hmm. I'm gonna pause and ponder on that. <laughs> okay. <What about> you? <laughs> Another deep swig of the warm drink, and the comrie shifted in his chair, seemingly attempting to restrain his mind. Am I right? Was this revealed truth? No way of knowing until I'm nothing. But why would I bore the void more? Why not function in this framework and see it through? A glint of approval in her deeply gazing eyes, Ulrika spoke in an unusually slow and deliberate manner. The grand sum, the void, is unfettered potential. All magic or extra-dimensionality consists of is learning to be in relation to this uninhibited potential. Learning what it wants from you before you get what you want from it. So we must be gracious vector hosts of infinite potentials, particular and specified desires to better fulfill our own. The final drops of his mug freshly emptied into his welcoming mouth. He sighed heavily. With a slow nod, he said, Ulrika, 
I must know what the ghost of Edmonton is doing in 2022. You could just say now. Her curt response was almost Taoist in its layers of humor and wisdom. If the ghost has an 18th century iteration, it is not that which concerns me. Frustration was a glowing ember in his words. You still have much to learn, then, Oroka poked at him grinningly. Okay, so that was just kind of like a nod, right, to how time is not linear and the 18th century where they are now is also 2022, where the current ghost of Edmonton is doing his thing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I see that you kind of went into, like, it kind of seemed like when you were doing Ulrika, she was in a trance of sorts. Uh, yeah, I, I came across a couple of accounts um, where she was supposedly not just fortune telling, but also channeling. Oh, like channeling um, from above. Or sideways or who knows. Who <laughs> yes, knows? that's just yeah. a terminology we use. <laughs> yeah, from elsewhere, let's say. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. so uh, yeah, it just very seemed cool. appropriate. Very cool. As we were. Straightening his body, the Conmarie declared, With all due Goma, this is becoming ever more time sensitive. What is the ghost doing right now in 2022? Brighter, the ember glowed. Do you believe you are aided by rushing for information before you can ferment your understanding? In the manner only soothsayers and grandmothers can pull off, she condescended warmly to him. Chide me for it later, please. I've given you the story you've asked of me. Your turn. He felt the ember glowing brighter and hotter, and decided to convert it to appreciation and warmth, an intention which was immediately palpable to Ulrika. As you wish, we have a deal now extended. She inhaled sharply through her nose, and her eyes flittered into the back of her head. The ghost is writing a grimoire. Seems also to be screaming on a cliff. He will know you immediately. You will know him by this mark. She said while scratching a symbol onto the table with her thumbnail. Her eyes came back with a small gasp. And she said, beaming, Bring pie when you come back. Come back? He asked, puzzled. To be chided. We have a deal. With this, Oroka rose and guided him to the back door. Oh, and be sure to watch for demons, all of you. The void is as full of them as you and I. If you see Elagos, be sure to say hello for me. Have fun. Pie it is, but what? what's this about demons? Where am I supposed to... Before he could finish his inquiry, there was a loud... Ah! And he suddenly found himself in the blazing sun, surrounded by Poplar and King's Crown, on a cliff overlooking the North Saskatchewan River. He's in Edmonton! <laughs> did that make it in? Yes. <laughs> so did that. Yay! We made it. Well, I'm very excited about this. 
and I'm sadly have not started the the story, but we know where it's going. And I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> she's not joking about these demons. <laughs> mm. No, unfortunately, demons are not a joke. Yes, but but don't you worry. We'll keep the um, sort of like fun, uplifting sort of vibe we have, um, but we'll explore that a little bit. Um, but have have no fear. Or maybe just an appropriate amount of fear. <laughs> just enough to keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get to do my witch's laugh enough during <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, halfway through November. It's still Halloween, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Christmas is coming up. But with that being said. You yeah, and uh, also our story, our next season starts with Christmas, basically. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Mm. We've discussed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely, definitely do need um, what topics you're interested in, especially for that one. It's um, very appropriate for different um, interests in magic the next season. Yeah, yeah. Give us a... Give us a grab bag of goodies to pick from. <laughs> yes, please. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, we already listed our socials at the top of the show. Maybe we'll start putting them in our show notes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> We're still new to this, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we definitely want to hear from everyone. And we appreciate all of you who have continuously be, who have continuously listened like, I can't even tell you how exciting that is for us. It's incredible. And without you people, we would probably still be doing this, but a little more sad about it. (laughs) Well, have a good week and see you next time. Looking forward to it. Goodbye. Stay weird and Halloween. Ooh. <laughs>